Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. Some of you like to turn those pages. I know people who still read on, uh, on pages because they I, I've had them tell me, I just like to turn the page. Um, and so if, 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 you, if you're that kind of person, bring your Bible, look at it on the page, follow along on the screen. But let's receive the word of the Lord. The Bible always uh, or many times uses this phrase, to those who have ears to hear what the Spirit says to the church. I hope that you have ears to hear today. I hope that you believe that God is a living God and that His book is an inspired living book. Hear the word of the Lord. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6, the Bible says, As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. I want to preach to you this morning from a sermon titled, It's Time to Get That Crown. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. God, I thank you that you called us to be in your family. God, you called us to serve in your kingdom. And God, I thank you for the rewards that you offer to us here in this life and in the next life. God, I pray right now that you'd strengthen my, my body, anoint my mouth and my mind, God, to say the things that would honor you. Let us hear sound doctrine today. God, I ask you to be our teacher by your spirit from your word in Jesus' name. Amen. It's time to get that crown. We've been talking a lot in 2021 about it being time. And I want to tell you, if you ever plan on serving God, it's time. If you ever plan on being a good man, a good woman, a good young person, it's time. I don't know how your kids did it, um, and, and I'll just be transparent out myself. Uh, I, I should have made them do it different, uh, but it all seemed to work out in the end. Um, and this one thing about public school, listen, if your children are not making good grades in public school, tighten up. Somebody should have said amen. Uh, pu public school uh, got people sleeping through it, making good grades. That's the speech I always gave my kids. You better make A's and B's. This is public school. This isn't, this isn't difficult. This is simple. Uh, this, this is average. This is what anybody could do. But my kids were notorious for waiting until three days before the before report cards came out to, to take that, B, that C to an A. Anybody ever met kids like that? Make you just want to choke them out. Uh, you're one of those like that? See, that's the problem with smart girls like you. You know you can get it done, so you just slack off for eight and a half weeks, and then you hook it together at the very end. Listen, kids do that with their grades, and adults do that, are you ready, with their lives. Yeah. Uh, uh, adults... Just, just stumble and bumble. We, we, we just coast through life until something major happens, until some big event happens, until we get so old we can't hardly walk anymore, and then we decide, I better start living for the Lord. 
I better become that praying man. I always said I'd be that praying woman. I better lead somebody to Christ before I leave this place. Listen, it's time. Look at somebody say it's time. If you're ever going to do anything for God, be anything for God, if you're ever going to do anything in this life, if you're ever going to love your spouse the way you should, love your children the way you should, if you're ever going to be the, the person that God created you to be the way you should, it is time to do it. And the good news is there, there are rewards for serving God. The psalm writer said to forget not his many benefits. I think sometimes Christians get so caught up in this life they forget that there are benefits to being a child of God. Uh, one, one of those main benefits that people forget all the time is the opportunity to speak person to person to the Lord. We call it prayer. It's conversation with God. If you had an opportunity to meet, if, if you're the person you look up to the most, if, the, if your hero, your sports hero, your entertainment hero, your, your whoever it is that, that you really admired, said, look, um, I've got some time uh, on Thursday uh, that I'd love to just sit down and hang out with you. You'd move heaven and earth to try to get there. And God tells us that we can hang out with him anytime we want to in prayer. And so many times we just overlook it. I want us to get this in our mind. I've talked about this, this theme all year long about it being time. This is the time that we have. This is the only time that we have. This is the only time we have to serve God in this life by faith. Listen to what Jesus said in John 9, 4. We must quickly carry out the tasks assigned to us by the one who sent us. The night is coming, and then no one can work. Now, as a Bible-teaching church, I've shared with you through the years different principles on how to understand the Word of God and cause the Word of God to make better sense for you so you're not just reading it and it going over your head. And one of the principles that we've seen is the audience of who God is talking to. So you need to know if, if the, the verse is something that God is talking to you about, to unsaved people about, to uh, different national groups about. And one of those principles we look at and we talk about when God says we are us, he's usually talking to what kind of people? They and them what kind? Okay. Um, when you get in your mind people like us, people like me, my people, you, you need to change that from whatever it's meant to you historically and start believing uh, that your kind of people are God's people, that us are Christian, that we are the body of Christ. We are the ones that are in God's covenant, not as God's word says, apart from God's covenant and alienated from the Lord. Which says we, it's talking to Christians. So if you call yourself a Christian, then the Lord is talking to you here. He said we must quickly carry out the task assigned to us by the one who sent us. There's so much here, and it's not even part of the text that we're going to spend time in this morning. But he's saying Christians must quickly carry out the tasks assigned to us by the one who sent us. A few things I want you to see here. We have tasks assigned to us, and we must quickly carry them out. Not just carry them out, but carry them out quickly. Not just wait till eight weeks have gone by in the nine weeks and spend the last week doing lots of homework and trying to catch up, but do the tasks that are assigned to you quickly. And... The last part of that first sentence says, by the one 
who sent us. I hope that you believe that there's a real God. I hope that you fit into this passage by being a true Christian and you understand that the God who saved you assigns you tasks and he has sent us out to do these tasks for him. But Jesus goes on in the second sentence to say the night is coming and then no one can work. Now, obviously, he's speaking metaphorically here. The night is coming. The night is when everything comes to conclusion. The night is when it all wraps up. The night is when the work is over. And there is a time coming, and I want you to uh, understand this. I believe that time is soon. Now, if you know me at all, I've been believing that time is soon since the day God saved me on July 15, 1981, and that's 40 years ago. But there is no doubt in my mind that we are living at the very end of time. If you believe in God, you've got to believe God's word where he says that there will be an end in this planet. This, this planet will have a culmination and it will end. It's eventually going to be renovated by fire. Uh, that, that may happen through a worldwide nuclear war. That may happen by, you know, whatever means God determines. But as Christians, we need to believe that this life isn't eternal, but the next life is. And one day Jesus is going to come back and bring an end to this life as we know it. This is, it's coming. And just, it's not just a feeling I have. It's not the Lord told me in a dream that, that God was going to come back soon. All of Scripture points to the fact that we are living in the very end of time. All of prophecy points to the fact that we are living in the end of time. Now, you could say accurately, well, didn't everybody always believe that? Didn't grandmama believe that? Didn't great-granddaddy believe that? Didn't the apostles believe that? Didn't, didn't Paul tell people 2,000 years ago that we were living in the last times? Yes, but God was, was never at a position then that he is now. There was a major event biblically prophesied that prevented the end of time from happening in any other lifetime other than ours. And that big event, that, 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 that final piece that never made sense to generations before us came to be in 1972, 1973. In, in that time frame, the technology got popularized. The technology that allows a major biblical last time identifier to actually be understood by us. Because God says that at the end of the world, there's going to be two uh, witnesses for him that are going to get killed in Jerusalem. And they're going to lay dead in the street for three days and God's going to raise them back up. And here, here's the identifier. He said, and the whole world will see it. Okay, now I want you to think about in Grandmama's day. Grandmama's reading that. Grandmama's 15 years old, loving the Lord, reading her Bible, thinking God's going to come back any day, looking eagerly for the second coming of Christ. And, and then she reads that. And she's like, how am I going to see what two people laying in the streets of Jerusalem? She could not. And all prophecy has to be fulfilled. God can't just say something and, and, and let it not happen. Um, he, he said his word wouldn't return to him void, but it'll accomplish what he puts it out there to do. And so how, listen, I, I need some smart people, some listening people right now. How in the world will the whole world see two dead human beings all the way across on the other people from all over the world? How, Elder Keon's holding up his phone. Internet, technology, 
Listen, this technology did not exist in any other lifetime. People thought, well, and, and people preached this for years, that the last event that had to happen before the Lord could come back happened in 1948 because God promised that before his return that all the d- dispersed people of Israel would regather themselves as a nation uh, and reform Israel as a nation. We've got ignorant people that still don't want to recognize Israel as a nation. We, for the first time in the history of our country, have politicians that try to convince Americans to side with Palestine over Israel. If you never heard anything I've said in my whole lifetime, hear this well. You better never side with anybody over and against Israel because God has promised to curse those who don't bless Israel, and you better always keep Israel as your friend. People joke around with with anti-Jew jokes, anti-Semitic jokes, playing around. This is not just God's people. This is God you're talking about. God is a Jew because God is Jesus. And and that's why people have these T-shirts, my boss is a Jewish carpenter. Uh, We got Congress people now blasting Israel, calling. We've got Congress people who have gone out and said that Israel is more terrorist than Palestine, and and that America needs to quit being a blind ally to Israel. Listen, you don't need to worry about what Israel does, but you better stay an ally to them, blind or woke or however you want to be, because God is on Israel's side. So a lot of people in 1948, when Israel came back together and all the uh, diaspora regathered in Jerusalem, they were scattered out all over the, the, the world, and they came back and they made themselves a country again. And a lot of people said, now that's happened, the end can come. Because that was one of the final events. Well, it was one of the final events. But in 1948, nobody could have seen two dead people laying in Jerusalem that wasn't standing within a couple hundred yards of them. But the world changed. I don't remember right now because my head's hurting, but it was either 72 or 73. Uh, when, when, when Elvis got on there with a white jumpsuit and did this for an hour and a half on television uh, in, a, in a, the first noted, they called it a simulcast then. And it was the first worldwide thing that everybody watched at the same time. It was Elvis Presley, Aloha from Hawaii. And some of y'all smiling because y'all old like me. But it was then that all prophecy had been fulfilled because finally somebody could see what was happening in another part of the world in real lifetime. And just as Elder Keon held up his phone, you, you can go on that phone right now. You can stream to the whole world right now anything you want. You, people, we, we see images on CNN, on Fox, whatever channel you watch. Here's the thing. So live and so updated, the enemy has admitted to getting strategy from watching American television. Now, uh, terrorists are admitting they are are using WhatsApp, Snapchat. Y'all better get off all that stuff. Using WhatsApp. Why are you using WhatsApp? Because you want to keep it secret? Well, listen, the Taliban's been caught using WhatsApp. They think they're keeping that secret. I'm going to tell you something. Well, well, I just like the, my messages to disappear after I send them. Are you so dumb you don't realize all them things you think you want disappearing? Whoever opened it, snapped, screenshot it before they let it disappear? I've had young people tell me, well, I, I, I don't want that to be a permanent record 
So I, 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 just, I just send it on Snap. Or, it's a permanent record once you send it out. You can F10 your computer. You, you, you can reset your phone and delete everything, but do you know it's still there? You can clear your cookies and your cash. You can clear your history. Do you know it's still there? Do you know that any, any computer geek worth his, worth his Starbucks coffee can, can open that thing up and go and check every keystroke that's ever been hit on that thing? Anybody knows I'm telling the truth, say amen. amen. That's for real. Well, I deleted it. Well, what do you think the FBI, you, you think everybody, the FBI is catching on computers didn't think they deleted it? I'm telling you, we've got the technology now in our lifetime. We are the first group of people that could have actually seen the Lord come back. And God made a promise. And this is one of those promises that make me scratch my head. If you've been around long enough, you know I catch my Arsenio moment where I'm just like, hmm. Y'all ain't old enough to remember Arsenio. But uh, Arsenio said things that make me go, I, I, I think about some Bible verses and I'm like, okay, I know it's true because it's in the Bible, but man, I, I, it, it just, I, I just got to figure out how to digest it. Because here's one of the things that make me go, hmm. The Lord said, I will return and I will not tarry. Kind of feels like he's been tarrying if you've been waiting on him for a long time. Any, anybody know what I'm saying? Kind, kind of feels like it's been a minute. Um, uh, I, I can remember first getting saved in 1981. Everybody thought the Lord was coming back then. There was a guy named J.R. Church who at the time was the leading uh, eschatologist on the planet. That's the study of end time events. And he wrote a book that, went, that so many people bought. It was called 88 Reasons Why Jesus Will Come Back in 1988. And because he was a pre a tribulationist, which means that he believed Jesus was going to come back before the tribulation. He, he had the back date from 1988 minus seven years is when? 1981. So everybody was sitting thinking the Lord was going to come back. Well, the Lord hasn't come back yet. And some people say, well, Pastor, do you really believe he could come back today? Um, I say it, and I'm not even joking. I'm surprised he didn't come back yesterday or the day before that. Do you believe that the Lord is going to come back? Do you believe that the world as we know it is going to come to an end? If you do, you better plug into what Jesus is saying, and, and you better understand there, there's a time coming when you're not going to be able to work for him. And the Bible says that faith pleases God, and the only time you'll ever serve by God by faith is right now. If you're a Christian you're going to heaven, your faith is going to turn into sight. You will not serve God by faith in heaven. And serving God by faith pleases him, and this is our time to do that now and the good news is he's promised us uh, not only does our serving him by faith please him but he's promised us rewards in this life for serving him and he's promised uh, rewards when we get to heaven I know you already know it but I need to say it for the people that don't or maybe that forgot about it or maybe need to be reminded of it I've had people tell me oh well you know mother, mother Jones She's so holy, they're going to need people to balance the crowns on her head when she gets to heaven. She's going to get all the crowns. Mother Jones is just going to be crowned up. Well, I hope Mother Jones gets all the crowns. And, and I hope somebody has to hold her neck steady as she wears those crowns momentarily because nobody's going to wear crowns forever in heaven except Jesus. 
Listen to what the Bible says about these crowns in Revelation chapter 4, verse 10, the 24 elders. Now, when you're reading the book of the Revelation, uh, understand, it is symbolic. It is metaphorical uh, in most places. And when you read the 24 elders, it is talking about who? Us. Say us. It's talking about saved people. It's not talking about 24 specific people. It's talking about a group of people that do something together. So the 24 elders represents the redeemed church. And it says the 24 elders fall down and worship the one sitting on the throne, the one who lives forever. And they, listen, lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and they exist because you created what you pleased. I want you to understand. Put, put back verse 10 on the, on the screen for me, y'all. When we are in heaven and we are, we are uh, worshiping the Lord at the throne of God and people lay their crowns down before his throne at the foot of Jesus, hear me good. You will want to have something to give him. I am so uh, upset by people who, who say this because it's a revelation of their heart and their bad theology. People who say, well, I may not have any crowns when I get to heaven, but as long as I get in by the skin of my teeth, I'd rather have a shack on the backside of heaven than miss heaven altogether. Listen, I understand you'd rather be in heaven no matter what, but nobody who really loves the Lord feels that way. Nobody who loves the Lord wants to come to this coronation of heaven-wide worship and be empty-handed. Could you imagine? You're going to be there in front of the whole world of saints, and everybody's going to be giving to Jesus crowns that they earned by doing what he said, and there you are. Empty-handed. You don't love the Lord that way. I don't care how much money you got or how much money you don't have. If Big Mama's having her 100th birthday and everybody's supposed to bring, if Big Mama said, bring me something personal. Bring me something between me and you. Bring me something uh, to, to remind me that, that you remember Big Mama. Uh, if you love her at all, you're not going to be the one goofy person that walks in there with nothing. Mm, y'all not feeling me. I'm, I'm preaching better than y'all are staring at me. We get to lay these crowns. Listen, this is the greatest thing about receiving these crowns is we get to give them to the Lord. Because you can never earn salvation, and that's why God gives it away freely by faith to those who believe. You can't do enough good things to get saved, but you can earn rewards. So when you get to heaven, you, can, you won't even have to say it, but your heart will be crying out to him. I, I, I love you so much. I at least wanted to have something to give you when I got here. Let me encourage you. Don't go to heaven empty-handed. Go to heaven with something to give to the Lord. Can five people say amen? So let's look at our text this morning. Let's hear what the Word of God says because it is time to get that crown. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6, our opening text, the Apostle Paul is talking here, and he says, As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. 
So the Apostle Paul is at the end of his life. He's been serving God for a long time. He was about to be executed, but it wasn't really fading him any. And the reason it wasn't fading him any is because he had already died to himself many years before. He had already come to the place in his life where he said, Have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. He had already come to the place in his life where, where uh, God had used him to pen the words that it is appointed unto a, a person to die once and after this the judgment. He knew that he had a date with death coming and there was nothing he could do to fade it. He knew it was all in God's hands. And listen, if you've already surrendered your will and your way to God, uh, if you're already living for him and him only, it really is going to matter to you less and less the day he takes you. Three people agree with that. Well, I just want to live here forever. <laughs> I said, no, you don't. Let, 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 me, let me tell you something. We, I'm not going to get long-winded about this, but I can promise you the Scripture is always right. And, and, and the Bible says there is nothing outside of heaven that can compare to the glory that's going to be revealed when we get to heaven. It is not just going to be a hallelujah good time in heaven. It is going to be the greatest event in, in, in the history of the world. When you get to cross over and you get to actually see this one that you say you believe in, you, you get to look in his eyes and, and be held by him and hold him and, and be in his presence uh, and not just believe by faith but actually have him right there. It is going to be the greatest thing. Listen, it's going to be better than banana pudding. Man, if, the, if, if, if that don't light your fire, your wood's wet. If that don't ring your bell, your bell is broke. If, 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 you, if you don't have hope to see him one day, I encourage you to get saved for real. But, but Paul said, listen, the time of my death is near. Paul had been arrested, released, arrested, released, arrested, released. Jailed, beaten, released, jailed, beaten, released. Hell, he had been humiliated. He had been, he had, he had been publicly despised. He had gone through a lot for the Lord. I, I always wonder when I hear these preachers on the radio and on television, which I don't hear them much anymore because I don't listen to liars, but that's good right there. You can put, you can put that in your cap. Um, I, and listen, anybody who spends 29 minutes of a 30-minute Christian broadcast begging for money so they can stay on, if, if, don't, if, you, don't, if you don't sow a seed today, we're going to go off the air. Our, our, our people have told us that if we don't come up with X amount of dollars today, and you can make, listen, these liars on TV begging for money on the radio, uh, they, they, I, I don't listen to them, but when I, when I have heard them, I wonder why they just don't sit down and read the Bible every now and then. Because this come to Jesus and everything's going to be better. Come to Jesus and all your troubles are going to go away. Come to Jesus and you'll never be late on your rent again. That, that ain't in the Bible. And what is in the Bible, that as our life is built on the, the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Jesus being the chief cornerstone, and if you study, listen, there's only one thing the current megachurch preachers could say about the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ and the true followers of Christ is, well, they must, they must not have been serving him good or they'd have had an easier life. God never promised an easy life. Peter was hung upside down and killed. All of the 12 apostles except Judas and John were murdered for the cause of Christ and, and went through a lot of stuff. When, when I hear these people talking about this, just, just speak your destiny out. 
I'm thinking, do you really believe if that was possible? Do you really believe if that was possible that Mrs. Peter wouldn't just, I declare and I decree, rescue for Mr. Peter and me? You really think if that declared decree foolishness worked at all, that, that any of these apostles would have died being torn apart by wild animals, being sawed in half in hollow logs, being set on fire, uh, tied down to wood with oil pour, poured on them? You, you really think they're pouring oil on the, on the man of God. They're about to light him on fire. They got him tied down to the wood. They're about to light on fire. The modern-day preacher, TBN liar, would, 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 would just say, I declare and I decree this fire shall not touch me. Well, it didn't touch the Hebrew boys. Oh, uh, yeah, well, it touched a whole lot of people. They need to read the Bible. The, the life of Paul reads out like, like highs and lows, and that's the life of a real believer. The life of Paul re reads out like uh, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. The, the life of Paul had had... had great times with God and great difficulties in the world. Stop scratching your head, pulling your hair out, and freaking out, paying people to counsel you. I just don't know why it's happened like this. I just don't know why. I just I did my best. I, I, I don't know why my child won't love. Listen, I, I don't know why people that work so hard. Listen, the Bible says, count it not a strange thing concerning the fiery trial which is to try you. The scripture says that the suffering this life are not worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed in the next life. The scripture says that unless you suffer with him, you can't reign with him. Paul understood this well. And he said, man, my time's up. The time of my death is near. Paul knew, even though they had arrested him, released him, arrested him, released him, and arrested him and released him. Uh, Paul knew even though that he... Uh, lived through being shipwrecked, being stoned, floating on a log or treading water in the ocean for a day and a half, he knew this is it. He knew they, they already were firing up the execution. Paul was about to die. And he said, the time of my death is near. Well, one thing, and I found this out. I found it out the hard way uh, by, by losing uh, my wife to cancer. When you know that the end is near, it ought to cause you to squeeze every drop out of life you can. It ought to cause you to, to do the best you can with the time that you have left. And, and you may not feel like the time of your death is near, but if you're a Christian, you ought to realize the time of the Lord coming back could very well be near. And knowing that time is short ought to create some urgency. Well, it wasn't a big deal to Paul because Paul said, I, I've already poured my life out as an offering to God. I've, I've already, I, 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 Paul, I'm not saying it's wrong to have something on your bucket list, but Paul didn't have anything left on his bucket list. His list only had whatever God has for me today. I am ready for it, and I hope that we could all get to that place. Uh, verse 7 says, this is Paul talking. He said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. I want you to learn how to read the Bible, paying attention to the punctuation. It will perfect your understanding. When you see a comma, that's cause for pause. Slow your reading of the Bible down. Take it in bite-sized pieces. Get it down in your spirit so you can just not read it 
But understand it. So many people, if you be honest, you've done this. If you've ever read the Bible, you read that chapter of the Bible, that proverb of the day, that portion of Scripture that you read, and it just always like, I don't even remember anything I read. Can four people say amen? You read it, and you're just like, I'm, you know, I'm, uh, my mind was drifting. I, hey, slow it down. Concentrate. Pay attention. He's, he said, he, he said uh, okay, look at the punctuation, and somebody tell me how, how many things he said in his, in his, you can just look for the word I. How many things did he say in this verse? Three things. Let's talk about them. He said, I have fought the good fight. Now, if he fought the good fight, then his, his life was a what? It was a fight. And I want you to know this life is a fight. This life is a fight, and you are in it whether you know it or not. There are people that all they do is talk about spiritual warfare, but then there are people that never talk about spiritual warfare. If you believe there's a God, you got to believe there's a devil. If you believe in the good, you got to believe in the bad. If you believe there are powers working for us, you got to believe there are powers working against us. We don't have this, that life's a fight on those notes. I'm looking to see life's a fight. Uh, there it is. Um, I want you to see it, and I want you to understand it. Your life is not designed to, to be carefree and error-free. Your life is designed by your creator to be a battle because it's in that battle that we learn how to rely on the Lord. It's in that battle that, that, that we are driven to our knees. It's, it's in that fight that, that we come up with all these cliches that sometimes work if your mind is right. Uh, your test is there to build your testimony. You can let life make you bitter or you can let life make you better. Some of you are jaded by life. Some of you have been hurt, wounded, wrong. Some of you ain't got over what mama and daddy and Uncle Bill did to you. Uh, you're still holding on to, to what those people did to you way back when. I, I, I want you to understand, life is a fight, and if it's made you bitter, if what has happened has made you bitter, then you are not actively remembering that God is always in control. Well, why would God let that happen to me? Because it's part of your fight. It's part of, it's part of, it's part of your journey. Let's, let's, let's look at that, that second phrase. He said, I've finished the race. So you need to understand we all have a race. And everything, every curve that you've been around was part of your race. Every lap that you circled has been part of your race. And all the laps and all the curves to go around that are yet before us are all part of our race. I was thinking about a race and some things that typify a, a race. Do you know a race, it can be said of a race that it's a predetermined course with a start line and a finish line? And every person in this room has a predetermined course and this, it's got a start line and a finish line. And I preached a message one time called The Dash Tells the Story. I've got my headstone uh, right next to where Gail is buried on uh, Old Jennings Road. And it says, Scott Becker, August 6, 1963, Dash. And then it's covered with uh, a plate with a screw on the left and a screw on the right. And one day, they're going to bust that open and they're going to put a, a, an end date on there. Uh, there's a start line, there's a finish line in the natural. There's a start line, a finish line in the spirit realm. I started my, my, my born-again life with God on uh, July 15, 1981, but I don't believe that was the start of my spiritual journey. 
The start of my spiritual journey uh, was throughout my life. People that sowed seeds of the Word of God in my life. People that invested love and kindness into my life. But the, the point of the story is we all have a race. And I wonder, are you going to be able to say what Paul said? He said about his fight, I fought a good fight. Now, if God took the time, and he did, to put this in his holy word, understanding that God doesn't put stuff in there that he didn't mean to be in there, and, and Paul said, I fought a good fight. If you can fight a good fight, then somebody else might be able to fight a what? A bad fight. How you, how, how you been fighting this life that is your fight? How have you been, have you been battling? Paul, Paul said, man, I, I, I fought the good fight. I, I hope. That you will get to the place in your life where that becomes who you are. That on your good days, bad days, happy days, and sad days, when you're up, when you're down, when, 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 when your world is spinning out of control, I hope that you can look to God honestly and say, I'm fighting a good fight. I'm fighting. I remember, I remember one time uh, Marvis Frazier was, was fighting. He's the son of the great heavyweight boxer Joe Frazier. And... Joe was his trainer, and Joe was in the corner, and Marvin was getting curb stomped, and he was just getting beat, and, 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 and Joe, Joe finally told him in the last round, boy, you got to show your stuff. You getting whooped out there. You got to show your stuff. Get out there and fight. And, I, and thinking about that, I, I, I would believe if anybody would have asked Smoking Joe Frazier, uh, how's your boy How'd your boy do? Did he fight a good fight? No, he didn't fight. He didn't, he didn't even show his stuff. How you fighting? Life's a battle. It is for everybody. And the trick of the devil is to make you think your life is harder than somebody else's. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Listen, the Lord knows all about your sorrow. And, 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 and get ready. And some of you are going to disagree with this. Listen, you're, you can be wrong if you want to be. The Lord designed your trouble. Because he laid out your race. You think Abraham's life wasn't difficult when God said, take your son Isaac, tie him to the wood and kill him on the mountain I will show you? That was just part of his race. Now, thank God there was a ram in the bush. And, and, and he didn't have to uh, do that, but, but here's the moral of the story. He was willing. Listen, when you get unwilling to fight a good fight and you just lay down and give up, you are not doing what God has called you to do. Hey, I just remind myself what Smoking Joe said. Get out there and fight. Show your stuff. You got to get up and you got to go out there every day. And, 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 and you, and you got to fight a good fight spiritually. Because you need to be able to finish the race. Now, here, here's the reality. Everybody finishes the race. Because we all have an appointment with death. God, God says that our days are numbered, and he knows them. And you, you're going to finish your race. But here's the reality. Some run across with their hands in the air, and others get dragged across on a stretcher unconscious. How are you going to finish your race? He said, I fought a good fight. I finished the race. And then the last thing he said is, and. What's and mean, church? There's more. 
When you read the word and like this, you need to understand, wow, this is, a lot's been said, but there's more. It's not just about fighting a good fight. It's not just about finishing the race. There's more to it. He said, and I have remained faithful. I want you to, I want you to notice, some will remain faithful and some won't. Some will remain faithful to God. It, it's just hilarious. It's not hilarious. I mean, it's, it's, it's really sad. Um, to, to hear people. If everybody quits serving God, I'll serve him. They've been saying that. Uh, they've been telling Jesus that since he was on this planet. What did Peter say? When all the rest of these people flake on you, I'm going to be there. I'll put it to you in 103rd speak. Peter took, looked at all of them and said, all these people stunting. But I'm your man 50 grand. I, 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 uh, we're down. Uh, I got you. We, I, I'm your ride or die. And what did he do? Jesus looked at him and said, man, you're going to be the one uh, denying me worse than all of them. If you've been in Christ for any length of time at all, you have seen people who used to be on God 100, and you can't find them in church anymore. It's just making big claims. Ah, I... Pastor Scott, I just like to testify. I, I just like to say, praise be unto God, who I love with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. He, he has saved me, and I'm never going to. Well, once I start hearing that, I'm thinking, ooh, okay, Apostle Peter. You're going to be tested for that claim that you made. Uh, but here's the question. Are you going to remain faithful? Uh, I, if you know me at all, you know I don't like modern this modern Christian music, I, I, uh, my sons and I have all come into agreement. We just believe most people singing popular Christian music right now didn't have the talent to compete on the secular stage, so they just dumb down their lack of artistic ability and take advantage of Christians. Uh, that frustrates me. Uh, I, I got respect uh, for the hip Hip, not, now, don't, don't get me wrong. Only in this regard do I have respect for the hip-hop culture. Uh, they run out phonies. You better have real street cred. You're going to stand up there talking about banging and slinging, uh, and, and, you know, you, 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 ain't, you ain't never done nothing. They're like, nah, Vanilla Ice, you got to get out of this. Go sing country music because you're phony. You're fake. Uh, listen, uh, okay, because country music can take anybody. I, 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 Shania Twain is from Canada. And, and, and she can't spell country. But when she knew she couldn't compete with Janet Jackson and Mariah Carey and Whitney Houston, she decided, look, ain't nothing but a bunch of fat old ugly women singing country music. I bet I'd come over there half-dressed uh, and, and, and put my vocal cords to it, and they will want me. All right, let me get off teaching you all about the music genre and, and, and get back uh, to, to, to where, where it is. Uh, People making big claims about stuff that don't live it, they are trifling people that will not last. And I want you to consider before the next time you tell people, oh, well, if the whole world quits following me. The psalmist said, if mom and daddy forsake me, the Lord will pick me up. He, 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 he made those claims, but he kept them. Be, be, be a covenant-keeping person because some will remain faithful and some won't. I don't like, I told you, I got into that by saying I, I'm not big on modern Christian music. I like older Christian music. Um, if, if you're going to really ever, ever hear some songs that, that really will move you spiritually, 
Uh, I don't care what you think about his vocal ability, but you need to listen to some Keith Green's at some point in your life uh, to, to really see what music can do to the, uh, the, the Christian spirit. But there, there are some Christian songs that make good points. And there was a song back in the 80s, and I don't remember who sang it. Uh, probably Stephen Curtis Chapman. He sang everything that came out in the 80s. But uh, Michael W. Smith, one of those dudes, sang a song that said, May all who come behind us find us faithful. And that ought to be your desire. That ought to, you ought to want, people talk about leaving a legacy to their children. You ought to leave a legacy to the world that says that man, that woman, they, they lived it to the very end. You ought to want to be faithful to the end. I've told y'all many times, everybody with white hair that's older than me, and even if they don't have white hair, anybody that's older than me that is still serving God, still showing up to church, still following the, the, the things of our God, they are a role model and an inspiration to me because anybody can start a thing, but it takes some real character to finish a thing. And I can promise you this, anybody my age or older that's still serving God, they're serving God in spite of a lot of hardship. They've been let down and pushed around. They've been backed up and spit on, rejected, chewed up by life, spit out the other side. They've had their heart broken 52 million times, and they've endured some stuff, but they have determined that they will Remain faithful to the end. If you don't hear anything I'm saying, hear this good right now. Don't give up on God. Nobody had been as persecuted as Paul had been at that, at that point uh, in the Christian church uh, consistently. He had endured more, even more than people who had been killed before him. He had been through some tough times, but he was able to say, I have remained faithful. Now, just he, he said that in verse 7. Three verses later, put verse 10 on the screen. He said, Demas have deserted me because he loves the things of this life and has gone to Thessalonica. Before you start worrying too much about, I wonder why so-and-so left the church. I wonder why so-and-so ain't with Apostle Bobo no more. Realize this. Deserters... This is deep now. This, 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 this is profound. You ought to already know what I'm going to say. Deserters do what? They desert. Traitors trait. Quitters quit. And haters hate. And it's just going to be that way to the very end. It don't, listen, do not be, be like Paul, not like Demas. Demas, there was a time where Demas was with Paul in ministry. But I just don't believe you should publicly out a person's name. Keep reading this chapter. He gets up into Alexander the coppersmith's business. He calls these people out by name. He wasn't shy about letting the world know who, who, who had gone nuts. He said, Demas has deserted me. Why? Because he loves the things of this life. And he's gone to Thessalonica. Oh, he's back up there in, 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 in polygamy. He's back up there in culture worship. He's back there loving the things of this life. That's why some people don't serve God actively now. That's why you used to see them in church. You don't see them now. That's, that, that's when you get into that person that says, well, I don't have to go to the church to, to worship God. I can worship God on my boat. And you know what I tell them? Oh, yes, you can. But what? Do you? Oh, you got them now. Oh, well, we, my family can worship the Lord 
at, at the lake, at the beach. Well, you can, but do you? And the Bible says Jesus went to church always. As his custom was, he was found in the house of God. Some, some people just want to stop serving the Lord because they love the things in this life, and they've gone on somewhere that can scratch their itch. I want to tell you something. You got a, you got a choice. You, you can fight a good fight. You can finish your race with your hands and your head held high. And you can remain faithful or not. I wonder if I had a faithful meter right now and I hung it on your neck. Are you remaining faithful? Church, church I have heard preachers say this my whole Christian life. Well, you know, if everyone showed up that's a member here, we wouldn't have room to put them. Well, there's nothing special about that statement. That's every church in the history of the world. I was, talk, I was talking to a pastor friend of mine just this week, Thursday night, and he was talking about his membership uh, and, and about purging his membership roles. I, I said, well, um, yeah, that, that's a good idea because I run into people. I run into people all the time at restaurants, out in the marketplace, Oh, Pastor Scott, how you been? How's the church? I'm like, great. How, where are you going to church now? Abundant life. Have you been to Georgetown? No, I haven't made it by the new church yet. Seven years. We've been here seven years. The new location. They ain't been by the new location yet. Uh, so where are you going to church? Abundant life. You're my pastor. I'm like, eh, we're going to purge you off the rolls, cuz. You're not a member. And he, he was talking about, so he was talking, I said, well, how, how many members are you talking about? He said, well, it depends on how you look at it. I said, what do you mean? He said, well, if you talk about how many showing up, it's about 30, but we got over 2,000 people on the roll. Every church could say if everybody who was ever a member here, if everybody who ever got saved here, if everybody who ever served here, we wouldn't have room to put them. And, and some left because jobs moved them. Some, some left because uh, God, God didn't want them here causing trouble no more. Some, some left just because they loved the things of this life. But what, whatever their reason for, for leaving, they'd better make sure that they were remaining faithful to God. I've always told people, you don't have to stay in this church forever, but you've got to stay in church forever. You don't have to serve God in abundant life forever, but if you call yourself saved, you've got to serve God forever. And the Bible tells us you ought to bloom where you're planted. And that's why we're having a new members class. So you can make it official and say, this is where I'm planting uh, my life. I'm going to serve God here. I'm going to get my tithe here. And, and, and I want to be a part of what God is doing here. But some will remain faithful and some won't. Paul did, Demas didn't. Are you remaining faithful? Listen to the last verse. We're going to get out of here. In, in verse 8, 2 Timothy 4, the Bible says, Paul speaking, he said, And now the prize awaits me. Paul knew he was going to get his reward. Paul knew when he passed from this life to the next, Paul knew when that executioner killed him that he was the one that God inspired to tell the Corinthians to be absent from the body is to be present from the Lord. He knew as soon as they take my natural life from me this, in, in, in this life, as soon as I close my eyes in this life, I'm going to open my eyes in front of God. He knew he was about to step into the presence of the Lord, and he wasn't like, oh, I, sh I sure do wish I, I could have stuck around for, for, you know, Deacon Bobo's next birthday. Paul's like, man, I poured out my whole life for Jesus. I, I've given everything I can to this cause, and, and, and the time of my departure is at hand. 
and I, I'm about to get out of here. And he, he was excited because he knew there was a prize waiting on him. And he understood he was going to have something to give to Jesus because he was going to have this, the crown of righteousness. The verse says, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on the day of his return, period. You got to stop and think about that. You got to pay attention to the punctuation. Paul's fired up. He's like, man, I can't get these rewards till I get to heaven. I can't get these crowns till I get to heaven. I, I'm anxious. And some of y'all, some, some of y'all, uh, come Christmas time, you got those little gifts. You kids, you couldn't wait to get them. Uh, I remember the first Christmas I spent with Gail's family. It was ridiculous. They they were talking. We were talking. We lived right up the street from. Them. We were over there all the time, and they were talking about. Well, uh, you know, we, we we're gonna. Everybody's gonna come here first thing Christmas morning, and I'm like, whoa, what's first thing? Because, you know, your first thing and my first thing is probably different. Because if I'm up, if I'm up at 6 o'clock in the morning, there's only one reason why. And the people that know me know why. Because I'm, I've stayed up. I ain't been to bed yet. There, there's, there's only one 6 o'clock on my dial. That's p.m. Uh, but so I'm thinking, man, I usually stay up at 3, 4, 5 o'clock in the morning studying. Uh, what's, what's first thing? And they said 3.30. I said, yeah. I'm thinking, what kind of foolishness have I married into? Is there an annulment to be had 3.30 in the morning? And her mom told me, well, the kids, when they were little, they just couldn't wait. They, they, would, they would always, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning, come jumping on our bed. It's Christmas. It's Christmas. And they just wanted, they wanted to get that present in their hand as fast as they could. And I told him, I said, well, let me just say this. Let's, let's, let's just start some family traditions that we can all abide by. I'm not going to be here at 3.30. Love you, though. And they said, well, how about 4.30? I said, you ain't feeling me. The sun ain't up. But, you know, I was young and flexible and in love. So we settled on six. I'm like, yeah, the world ain't even moving before six. But they just couldn't wait to rip into that. And, and some of y'all have kids like that. Some of y'all uh, want to shake presents, unwrap them, wrap them back. You know who you are. <laughs> yeah, I see you. Paul was excited, man. He knew his, his, his gift was coming. He knew he had, he knew he had rewards stored up. In heaven, he said, man, I got this prize waiting on me. I'm just ready to get there. But the next sentence is what I want you to hear, and we'll get out of here. He said, and the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. It's not just this, this crown of righteousness. Listen, Paul earned some crowns nobody, that very few other people are ever going to earn. Uh, there, there's a crown of glory that very, that not a lot of us going to get it. Uh, there, there's a martyr's crown. I don't believe most of us are going to get it. There's a shepherd's crown that most people in this room uh, will, will never, if any of us get it, most people aren't even qualified uh, to, to get it. But here's a crown that every child of God can get. Here, here's a crown that you can work for. Now, when they talked about crowns in the first century, the, the Greek games were huge in Paul's time. And they gave little crowns to...
the winners, and there's a lot of talk in the Bible about if you want to receive the crown, you got to obey the rules, and you got to run the race lawfully. Those people understood, uh, like the Olympics, they had their Greek games, uh, and it, it was huge, and they wanted to win that crown. Everybody knew that they couldn't compete in every event. That's what makes decathletes uh, so extraordinary. Not that they go on to become weirdos that have a sex change and uh, win woman of the year, Bruce Jenner. Bruce, the man. If I was a female, which I never will be, and I couldn't make myself one, but if I was, and Time Magazine did to me, listen, all you women ought to be mad at Caitlyn Jenner. The woman of the year, you do more looking in the mirror to be the woman of the year than Caitlyn Jenner ever did to be the woman. Caitlyn Jenner's not a woman. But anyway, back in his day, Bruce Jenner was, 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 was one of those rare athletes that competed in the decathlon event, which means how many events? Ten. I'm talking about races. I'm talking about uh, shot put throwing. I'm talking about pole vaulting. I'm, I'm talking about stuff that endure, requires fast speed and, and, and long endurance. Uh, most, most people kind of have to look for the race they want to be in. You, you know, uh, you, you, so, some of you, uh, I, I put myself in there. Listen, I'm not going to win any sprinting events. I don't love running. I don't love running from here to that clock. Or from here to the red light. I, I used to say I did all my running in the army and, I, and I'm done with that. And the only reason I run now is if a dog has chased me. Truth be told, come get some. <laughs> unless, unless that dog, I'm 225 pounds. Uh, I ain't even met a 225 pound dog. They got some, but I'm staying away from them. You can't be in every event. As, as believers, we're not going to win every crown. But here's, one, here's an event you can be in, and here's a crown you can win. He said, it's not just for me, but it's for everybody who is eagerly looking forward to his appearing. I, I wonder, are you looking forward to the return of God? Let, let, me, let me tell you what looking forward implies. Faith. Say faith. faith. Looking forward implies faith. Faith is believing in what you cannot see. You can't, you, can, you, you haven't seen the Lord come back yet, but by faith, if you're saved, you believe he's coming back. And, and, and if you really are following him closely, you have an urgency that says he could come back soon. I better get for real with this. And it's not just for people who believe he's coming back. Look at, look at the wording at the end of the verse. For those who eagerly look forward to his appearing. Oh, man, I can remember... Uh, it, it, it happened their whole life until I was about, until they were about in uh, ninth grade, eight, between, between eighth and ninth grade. Up until my kids were in, in uh, the, the last part of junior high school, early high school, every time I walked in the door, both of them, no matter what part of the house in, they, they just come running, bounding, jump on me, hug my daddy's home, daddy's home. They, they love to see me come home. Uh, now they look up from the couch. <laughs> Sup, Dad? Say, you greet me? Now, working like a field slave all day long. I come in this house, I buy everything. I get, Sup, Dad? 
you but get on your feet and come give me some. Love on me while I'm still here. But I remember, man, they used to just be, and man, sitting on my lap, leaning on me. They were just glad. Any of y'all remember when your kids were glad to see you? Now, you know if they had broke something in your house. Or if they had brought home that D on that report card. Now, I ain't going to say F, because safe folk don't have children with Fs. That's not really true, but we wish it was. But do you know when they had broke something that you told them not to touch? When they messed around and, and had that note from their teacher that you had to sign? When they had that report card when, back in the day, they don't even send report cards home anymore. What a trifling world we live in. Kiko's so excited. Girl, you better make A's. They are not excited to see daddy or mama when they get home when they know they're in trouble. Do you realize people who are eagerly looking forward to God's appearing, they know that they're going to meet him with a smile and he's going to meet them with a smile? They know that they have fought a good fight. They know that they have finished their They know that, hey, the Lord is coming back, and I am on point. My, my mind is made up. My ticket is paid up, and I'm ready to go up. I, I wonder, are you ready to meet the Lord? If you're not, you need to do something to, 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 to get that together. There is a crown to be had to everybody who is eagerly looking forward to his appearing. I want you just to ask yourself this question. You don't have to answer out loud. Do you believe the Lord is going to return to this earth at some day? Said he is. He said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go, I'll doubtless come again uh, to receive you to myself. That where I am there, you may be also. Uh, the angels told, told the, the, the followers of Christ, why are you standing there looking up into the air? This, this same Jesus that you saw go up is going to come back. The problem is most people aren't looking for him anymore until you get in a bind. That's not what it's talking about. This word look, if you study this word look from the original Greek word that we translated to our English word look, if you study that Greek word, it is a continuous tense. It's you've been doing it, you're doing it now, and you're going to keep doing it. I don't believe. I could be wrong. Tell me if I am. You encourage me sometime today and let me know. But I don't believe anybody in this room woke up this morning and just skipped their way to the bathroom and just said it out loud. This could be the day. Today could be the day. Maybe it's today. Paul did. Paul lived every day with that awareness. This could be the day. Maybe today will be the day. Maybe today will be the day. And he splits that eastern sky wide open. He comes back in all power and all glory. He's coming back. Do you even believe he's coming back? And if you believe he's coming back, could it be soon? Could it be today? I'm going to close and tell you this. Paul says, not just for me. This prize is not just for me. But it's for all who do this one thing. Eagerly look forward to his appearing. I want you to start believing that God's going to come back. If you're saved, I want you to start believing today could be the day. I'd already told you, when, when you lay your head down at night, I want you to, 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 to say goodnight to the Lord and tell Him you love Him. When you wake up, before your feet even hit the ground, I want you to say good morning to the Lord and tell Him that you love Him. And when you get up, 
when you go through your day, when you stop and you have a minute to think, I just want you to think. He could come back today. How cool would that be? Well, Pastor, do you really want him to come back? Oh, man, I wish he'd come back now and I didn't have to walk all the way to my office just to sit down. I wish he'd come back now and I never had to see 103rd Street traffic one more time. I am eagerly looking forward to the return of the Lord. Not every day. I've, I'm like you. I've got good days and I've got bad days. Some days I've, I've got my mind focused right and sometimes I don't. But I'm telling you, it's time we get our minds focused right. We've got to focus and then refocus. When you realize that, that you're not fighting the good fight, decide to fight the good fight. When you realize you're not remaining faithful, decide to remain faithful. When you realize, I, I, I haven't been eagerly looking for him, but he might come back today. If the Lord came back today, do you have a crown to give him? If you're eagerly looking for him, the promise is you do. And if you're not, you need to start now. God is faithful. And he does what he says he will do. He is going to come back. Whether it's now, tomorrow, a million years from now, he's going to come back. And we are all going to stand before the judgment seat of God at some day. Every believer will stand at, at the judgment seat of God, and every, every unbeliever will stand at the great white throne judgment. But all of us are going to see God one day. Are you ready? Are you ready to see him? Well, I got so much I want to I understand what you, you're saying that. But it's short-sighted. Because nothing that you've got left to do could compare to seeing Jesus face-to-face. And I want you to get to the place in life where you are, like, like, like the writer said, you're homesick for a country that you've never even seen before. You know, everybody in this room, we got people in this room with dual citizenship, born in one country, uh, citizen of this country and that country. But if you're here and you're saved, you've got dual citizenship too. We're citizens of this life, this planet. But as Christians, we got a home in glory that outshines the sun. And that day is coming. And it's time for you to get that crown. You need to start looking for Jesus to come back. Pray with me. God, I love you. And I thank you for loving me. Thank you, God, for caring about us. Thank you for giving us your word and all of these promises. And, God, I pray for each person in this room that's unsaved, God, that doesn't know you, Lord, that you would draw them by your spirit and give them faith to believe in you. God, for every Christian in this room, Lord, I pray that you would let us believe in your promise. Believe that you have prepared a place for us and you are coming back. God, I thank you for the place you've prepared for us. I thank you for heaven. And, God, I believe that you suffered, died, and rose again on the third day. Jesus, I believe that you sat down at the right hand of God, and one day you will come back for us. And I pray that you would let us eagerly look forward to your coming. Help us, God, to live with a sense of urgency that tells us we've got to live for you now because there's a day coming when we won't be able to do that. So help us, God, to eagerly do the task that you've assigned us. Help us to work while it is day, and help us to believe your promise. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web 
at AOCFnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to AOCFnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church, loving God, loving people.